You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Scaling Up Services podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Today, we're here with Dano. And Dano and I met a while ago at a session from here in New York on awarding culture awards to companies. And we started chatting and I learned a little bit more about what he, do, what he does. And I've been fascinated. Um, and I'll, I'll let Dano tell his story about how he got into things. But Dano is a master of sales and sales management. And uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Dano, welcome to the program. Yeah, pleasure to be here. <laughs> so why don't, why don't we start just... Uh, just how you kind of got into all this. I know you've got an interesting story. Um, and then we can talk a little bit about what you do and um, uh, and how you help companies with sales specifically. But uh, fill us in. Fill us in on the backstory. I think I think any you know, anytime you can understand someone's history and origin, it's important. And obviously in you know, for me it, it started off in really wanting to learn and having that genuine curiosity to learn. Uh, I was at a very young age, 23, 24, I was blessed to work with uh, some of the heads of the company that was very popular, you know, 90s to early 2000s, the Rich Dad Corporation, and was, you know, just was brought up as a very green entrepreneur in consulting services, helped build a business from 15 global consultants to 70, and eventually with one of their three master facilitators, as well as in charge of building out their educational program to bring on other consultants. And for anyone who's gone to a huge program with a Tony Robbins, yeah. anything big, their promoters were, were our promoters. So yeah. it was a really interesting time for me in getting to look at, you know, really celebrity like trainers, celebrity speakers and so forth. But at the end of the day, we'd be in front of thousands of people. And my last gig, it was about 500 people, 500, 600 yeah. people. And, uh, I remember, I remember after day two, everybody was crying in the room and I'm going, <laughs> these people think we changed their life and really their life was changed for two days. We better keep this thing going. Yeah. And yeah. so I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm fit and naturally fit to be in sales and sales management because of my background in sports and played baseball my entire life. Thought I'd get drafted out of college and didn't. I played a little bit of semi-pro ball, but didn't. But one thing I loved about college sports and just sports at a high level is there's a score at the end of the game, yeah. and it's on a scoreboard, and there's usually reasons and statistics <laughs> on how we got to that conclusion. Yeah. So it's, a it's a natural progression for me, fit for me to be in sales and sales management. And you know that really, I, I think I'm like Silicon Valley meets Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross in the boiler room, you know, I'll bang it with the best of them on the phones, but I'm, I'm a nerd. I love it. I love it. And I think your, your point that the connection to sports in that uh, it's about performance management, right? And how do you break down a fairly fluid art into something, a series of stats that you can measure to look at performance and know if I change certain things, I'm going to get different outcomes and, and understand that kind of management and that analysis. I, I think it's great. And I think uh, you know, sales is hard enough. I think 
selling services. <laughs> it's just like it yeah. compounds the whole thing. So it's not only are, is the you actual really sales process. Hard. Yeah, it's like the sales process is hard enough. But then when you're selling services, which are now kind of very abstract and, and okay. intangible, it becomes even harder. So so you're coming out of this space. So there's background in sports, in baseball, in you know do, doing the work on uh, large scale event program training type of thing. Tell me about kind of what you're doing now and how that kind of got to got to today. Yeah, simple. You know, I don't love to call myself CEO because then I can't negotiate with people. So managing partner of a company called eCenter Management and very simple. We work with CEOs in the SMB middle market, three to 30 million in sales revenue is what these companies tend to have. And we have one job as a function of a business, not consulting it, a function of a business called sales management. Our job is to build a sales team that meets and exceeds quota. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just to really kind of make sure it's clear for people here. And this is what I love about you and what you do. It's really taking over. I think it's one of the hardest things in the world. It's hard enough to sell, but to manage salespeople inside of an organization. And how do I manage salespeople, the sales process to deliver to target to my forecast it is hard, but that is what you do. You actually come in and work with management to put in place the process, the targets themselves, compensation schemes, find people, manage people. Tell us a little bit about like a, what a week or what a month looks like for a client engagement. Like how do you actually engage with the clients? Yeah, I mean, it all starts with what is, you know, I always say the science of building a sales team starts with premise and their belief. Like, what do you believe? <laughs> I'm not building anything unless you believe that it could be built. Yeah. So, you know, it always starts with the owner's belief and then us believing in them. Do, yeah. do we think the marketplace is there? There are some things that I know the margin. I know the marketplace fairly well. I'm not selling it. Mm-hmm. So it always starts with what's the belief of the owner, energy of the owner, and then it goes down, quite honestly, to the nerd side of what we do. We got to do a revenue forecast and a budget. And first thing you're trying to do is just afford to have a sales team, you know, two people plus some digital marketing. We got to do something that drives lead flow, prospect flow, interchangeable words for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. that's the starting point. But at the end of the day, our day to day is with the sales professionals. I hate calling them reps. Yep. They're professionals yep. after they get done with training. So, you know, we in simple form, it's kind of the one, two, three, four. We build a revenue forecast. Then we recruit, interview, and hire. Then we train the staff. Then we hold them highly accountable. And the last piece that I think people miss, and, and really, if I could flash forward in my guess in the next three to four years, is we build unbelievable relationships. We have we do that thing called like our sales reps. You know, most people they just don't want to go there. And yeah. I think in any particular part of an operation, and you nailed it, it's so hard. Sales are so hard. The last thing that they need is someone that's only hard. Yeah. You can't just bring the fire and I mean we yell, we we are not happy with people all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's gotta be some joy, there's gotta be some relationship. And that we dig deep. We dig deep into what personally motivates yeah. them, but also their their family because, you know, you want ultimate motivator. You should send someone significant other their accountability. That'd be real crazy stuff. And we get to that level. Yeah, yeah. You know, wives and significant others of our reps, boyfriends, girls, like we know yeah. them. We dine and wine and dine them. They're my customers. Yeah. I, you know, I think a good one. I, I've always kind of had this philosophy of we have to bring love back to business, right? Like we have yeah. to figure out a way. No, because I mean, look, we are people and and people are engaged by relationships with other people. And if we can't figure out a way to bring kind of, you know, love, empathy, respect, care for us as people in the workplace, 
you know, you're not going to have that connection. You're not going to have that drive. I mean, money only goes so far. You can, you can only pay people so much. And at some point, another dollar is not going to get any performance. But if you can figure out how to get people emotionally, personally, you know, connected to the organization and the purpose, you you will have unlimited potential. Yeah, I think that the we'll talk more about this. What is sales management in yeah. a second? But I think that that's part of the function I and mean, the companies that we work with three to 30 million it's mm-hmm. i'm wearing a hat today it's very professionally dressed up <laughs> wearing camouflage just so you know you, any sales reps watching this know they can't hide from me exactly <laughs> you're in the bushes there you're seeing so, what they're doing yeah <laughs> my standpoint to this is is with relationships is look i have at the end of the day we can make lots of money we can do a lot a lot of things but very few things will come without managing relationships yeah yeah i think that's really key so, uh, so talk to me about sales management, because I think a lot of people don't, they may throw out the word, but they don't really understand what, it, what does that mean as, as a discipline, as a function, as a capability? Talk to me about what does it mean to be a sales manager or to, to manage the sales process? So I always, you know, whenever asked a question, you, if you look at the opposite, sometimes there's some genius there. So what is sales management not? not yeah. <laughs> is what I'll start with then, because I think they're common errors regardless of whether it being right or wrong, let's just talk about some scientific errors, mm-hmm. not just my truths. And so the first thing that it's not, it's not your best salesperson managing a group of people and titling them manager, VP of sales, whatever it may be, because they were the best at selling. Mm-hmm. In fact, what we believe from a standpoint, this is my truth, is that, that you just ruined your whole opportunity value of that person from a revenue generator. So you know, it's not the best person at sales. To me, if you just use the word that we use, what's the function of sales management? The function of sales management is to create goals and plans and strategies and leverage tactics to get there, Mm -hmm. to get a sales team to meet and exceed quota. And from that, the things that we manage on a daily and a weekly basis are three things. Number one, numbers. I literally just sent one of our clients because I couldn't get through. So I was like, 401? I was supposed to be on a four o'clock. Let me send one more report out. What's the de- literally daily report of everything entered into the sales force? You skip a day, a day leads to a week. So I'm just with this new client. I'm just playing with their um, psychosis right now. Because yeah. right now they know they're wrong. Mm-hmm. The sales team knows they're wrong. And what the leadership doing is doing, as you well know, this happens from a consulting side of things, is they're justifying the people they hire. <laughs> which is fine with me like yeah. hey if you want to be held hostage by your own employees have at it i'm not going to exist for a long time right because yeah. you'll fire me based on their performance that yeah. i never had a chance at yeah so that's why we we tend to build sales team this one we're building and taking over a team yeah but we're managing the daily numbers why yeah. and weekly numbers and monthly numbers and annual numbers why numbers never lie mm-hmm. people Sometimes do. I used to say often. So I just want to have, if there's no dot, 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 since there's no features in it, I can go dot, dot, yeah. dot. Numbers never lie. People sometimes do. And so we manage the numbers. The second thing that we're managing is how did you get to those numbers, the activity? Yeah. Tell me your truths against these facts, right? I like and it. then we'll tell you, we'll get into tactical information about how we can move these mm. forward. And I think the piece that I'm really proud of is that with great technology from a, you know, what, what do I think sales management's job now that technology is involved CRM with simple tactics and leveraging the CRM. If you use a CRM, there's only a few things that you got to do really properly. Your real job is just kicking the ball further down the court to close one or close loss. Mm-hmm. Close loss, you got to have a reason why, clear mm-hmm. reason why. 
But I think what happens in sales management, so you know, what it's not is, hey, what'd you do yesterday? Mm -hmm. Did you do what I said yesterday? Yeah. Right? Or looking over someone's shoulder. We have this written out. I think we say looking over someone's shoulder, going on every appointment that you can with your sales team is not micromanagement. That is stupid. <laughs> Look, I'm always going to be different. If you were my coach, yeah. manager, whatever you want to call me, I am always going to act different with you around. Yeah. yeah. So we train and certify people. So. Again, you got to train, recruit the top talent mm -hmm. that you can based on the budget, and be honest about what you can afford. It. Yeah, treat it like a sports team. You got to grow your own talent. You got salary cap. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Right. So it's again reflection of sports. So got to hire properly, mm -hmm. and inside of that interview, you got to train people and you got to hold people accountable. My quota, I believe, a great sales manager and a great function, more or less. My quota is the sales team. One of the big problems that I have mm -hmm. right now is when you give a sales a sales manager quota, I don't care who they are, especially if it's like 80%, which is most people's, Yeah, their quota comes first. They will always the always sell before they manage. Yeah. And I think you really kill the profession of sales management when you do that, yeah. which is great because it gives me more business. But <laughs> if that, I hope that answered. There's so much dynamic, but yeah. I think, again, those are some nuggets of the function of sales management. We're the cog, uh, better said, storyline way to say this. Yeah. CEO yells at me. To get the sales going, I yell at – because people understand when I say yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yell at sales reps, motivate them, lead, teach, and inspire yeah. them to sell. Yeah. The sales reps yell at me for more money, and I don't get to yell at the <laughs> owner. I get to address my concern. Yeah. Well, and I think you hit a couple of things there that I think are really important and I think a lot of people kind of get wrong or at least I, I see a lot working with companies that are looking to grow and scale and they're, they're looking to scale up the sales team or at least the, the sales results. And, you know, they take that their their best salesperson, they put them into that management position or, or at least they put them into you're in charge of sales. Go figure this out. And, you know, to your point, not only not only is it typically lead to bad sales management, but you've also now lost your salesperson. <laughs> right. So it's a double like you're getting hit in both knees, yeah. not just one. Yeah, let's, let's beat ourselves, yeah. beat ourselves twice. Look, yeah. I, I always say this, like you really look at someone. I love the word pro, right? Profession. Mm -hmm. And I just usually I Google a word before I get on these things when I start to say I love a word. <laughs> I don't know. I look up the definition. Look, at the end of the day, what I really like about pros, specifically athletes or even right now in the Silicon Valley world, you play and you dabble with some really cool people. Mm -hmm. But these people who are in tech, they do things with purpose. Oh, yeah. like they, you, there's such thing as the wrong code. It's one that doesn't work. Yeah. Right? So the same thing exists in sales. There's things that don't work. And the one thing that does not work when you put someone into sales where you got to lead, teach, and inspire, I go, well, what, what experience or school did they go to that they did all three of those? Because my schools didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> I mean, it was hard enough getting to become a good leader. No. Most people teach. Most people don't even know how people learn, let alone to teach them. Yeah, yeah. Right? So how do you call yourself a teacher if you don't know how people learn visual, audio, kinesthetic? Like yeah. You don't have a chance. Yeah. And then last but not least is you got to inspire a group that everyone thinks is money motivated. Yeah. Well, and so how – so a couple of questions. So one – maybe we'll start there. So talk about motivation because I think that's a hard one for most people and I think typically – there's this kind of idea of, well, I just need to pay them more or I need, you know, I, I need to put more, more of their comp as performance comp. I need to, you know, it's going to be some percentage of either revenue or gross profit or something. Talk to me about how you approach motivation. So I think that you've got to cover things for people. Mm -hmm. You got to cover, you know, it's like the Maslow's 
There's nothing scientific <laughs> about this thing. We're just following what everybody yeah. already researched. You got to be able to cover people's personal well-being. You got to understand their family justification. You got to understand their skill sets because people aren't worth as much as sometimes they say. Because you got to make it all fit to a budget that you. No, I'm in charge of the budget. My line is I owe you. Not you owe me. I'm a sales manager. I owe you X in sales and GP. So the first thing you got to look at in terms of motivation is what gets people, what brings people just a baseline of peace. And I think that like, you know, again, goes back to what not to do, what not to hire someone who's broke and is, has built through the yin yang. And look, as much as I want to take care of people, Mm -hmm. That's tough because there's no peace there. Once yeah. you got once you understand someone's peace at home and how they're, you know, how they're, how they leverage money to some extent. And a lot of people aren't going to say this. You got to dig. Yeah. You got to dig, but be HR compliant. Right? <laughs> so the things you can't do anymore. I can't even ask someone how much money they made last year and check their W-2. Yeah, right know. now, someone could say, I made $5 billion and I can't go look at a W-2. This is fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's just, uh, you got to be better at your job now. <laughs> you gotta, I, I actually got to work and qualify people from an employment standpoint. It's all right. I'm in sales. I'll be all right. So I think from a motivational standpoint, number one, bring what's peace, yeah. right? What is peace? Number two is a little secret. Since this is the show of secrets, yeah, exactly. there is not one manager that we have met um, and another organization doing marketing or selling anyone with quota. We have never seen this. With every single one of our budgets that we give an owner and, and a quota for a sales rep, we have a thing called activity quota bonus. So I'm going to explain this in words, but by all means yeah. – I'm going to have your audience, if they're really listening yeah. to this thing, bug the hell out of you. Yeah. And sample. I'll send the raw data. You know, I'm very mm-hmm. much the guy that gives my best advice absolutely up front because most people just don't, they don't go into yeah. executing it. Yeah. So what you do is, let's say our average salary base for a one to three year experience person B2B sales is about $62,000. Okay. Right? So that's the base. What we do is we take 12,000 of that dollars out of the base and we say every single month you can earn $1,000 of this base by doing that thing called your job. Mm-hmm. Because what owners tend to do, especially if it's the owner that wears all the hats and is trying to do sales management, operations, you know these people. Mm-hmm. They try to only use the only two things that they know motivates people, which is sticks and carrots. Hey, if you don't do your job, you're fired. And it, and yeah. I, last time I checked, it takes zero talent to fire anyone. <laughs> yeah. Number two, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run a sales contest <laughs> and pay you more money to do the job that I already told you to do. Right? I'm so, going to pay you more to do the job I'm already paying you to do. Yes. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you have sticks and carrots. We just said, look, we got a problem here. If the only two motivators from a base compensation – not above and beyond when we start talking about lifestyle, motive, yeah. what I really think motivates people. Just a base. Man, we got a problem here. So we pull out $1,000 and we put KPIs against it, dials made, initial first appointments, pipeline performance. Mm-hmm. And look, if you don't get paid, I, you know, I used to rip a $100 bill on stage and go, it's throwaway mm-hmm. money if you don't do this. And then the CEO started getting really mad at me. But the <laughs> truth is, it's throwaway money. Yeah. That's what I tell the sales professionals I manage. Yeah. I don't get it. You don't get it. The owner does gets nothing from it. It's yeah. throwaway money. Yeah. So we force people 
they got to play, and then we'll pay them that little bit of the base compensation that yep. we pull. Well, and, and do you pick? Is it one? Is it one number, or is a suite of numbers? And you've got to hit these suite to, to get the money. So, so everybody asks, is it an all or nothing yeah. type of thing? Look, so the answer is, it depends. Yeah. Right. It depends on how they're performing. A lot of time. Look, I don't want to take the money. I want to be clear. Yeah. If you hit your dials, but you missed your initial held appointments, which is a common KPI in a B two B environment, which yeah. I dominate. Depends, right? So mm-hmm. we try to say say upfront how we're grading every month. And here's the cool part. Every month, I could change the KPI yeah. based on what the company needs. Yeah, I think that's key. And I hope listeners are taking this away, which is you have to look at where, where your current performance is and what is the thing that you're trying to change or implement at the time. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like people creating rules like be on time by being early when everybody's on time and everybody's early. Like you don't need that rule. So I totally get that what you're saying. I give you the last piece. So, that, you know, the first piece is bring peace. Second piece is within that piece, mm-hmm. you've got to have some kind of activity that drives some type of numbers for the company right away within their base. And the last one is this, is seven years, I stopped about two years ago, partly because I was done playing with people's goals. <laughs> for seven years, I ran a free gold workshop for guys like you and I who would like that kind yeah. of thing. Right. And I would change. I do a little bit of Robin's, a little bit of this. And I nice. steal everybody's the best thing. And most of it, if we really studied deep, it was probably Napoleon Hills. Right? Yeah. yeah. So and I would I would get to this one. And a lot of people have this, you know, when you're trying to define most definite purpose, most definite action, the net, the one thing mm-hmm. using some taglines of people. I said, if you won $10 million cash, no tax free, what would you do with it? And for seven years in this order, dissecting my goals workshop averaged around 50 to 70 people, mm-hmm. you know, you're at so a huge range, but 50 people every year. I would go around at this part and I because I'd get a spreadsheet out and I'd put it up on screen because I wanted people to see how crazy we are. <laughs> Every year we I dissect the top five things. I had to put five because people people knew that I already knew the three people who yeah. would repeat. Yeah. I call the gold workshop. I called them my repeat offenders coming back like there's gonna if you don't know how to do your own goals. <laughs> exactly. So but I I get it because I would do the same thing. Yeah. So the, here's the three things, seven years of data mm-hmm. in this order that most people in the room said that they would do with $10 million, travel, spend time with family, mm-hmm. and give back mm-hmm. in that order. I was fascinated that time with family wasn't first, it's travel. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I yeah. have my own things of why travel, why family with family, why give back. Give back is totally, the intuitive totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Time with family makes sense to me. The travel was unique to me. I just think people really want to see what new. Yeah. Well, and I think it's autonomy. It's the idea that I can I, I can choose to go do something and it's freedom. Essentially, it's the freedom to go do things I want to do. I'm sure if you went destination, some people would be like, I'm going to go to Miami or I'm going to go to Alaska. or I'm like that yeah. is going to be hugely diverse. But yeah. I get to go do something. Yeah, I we have that. some good fights about team travel with that kind of stuff. So here's <laughs> here's the motivation trick. Number three is yeah. know that up front. Why? Like we're the only animal in the world that can predict potential futures. Why are you not taking this data? There's only three things people want. Where? What book are you reading? There's no book in the world that says if you yell or people want more money. Yeah. The book said think and grow rich. It didn't say start a business. It didn't say sell things. It said think. Yeah. Think about this. Yeah. So I just say think about what the three things. I'm giving you the three things that people said they would do with money. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give them those? And I think the tech companies – 
You know, I always like stealing from other industries or sizes of companies. What, yeah. do, what should you do if you're a small company? I don't know what the big people do with the numbers. <laughs> yeah. They actually look at them. Yeah. If you're a big company, what should you do? What the small people do with their business, like actually care about their people. Yeah. Like, so it's it's this trade of yin and yang and this part right here of motivation. I just really think that people want to travel, spend time with family and get back. And so rather than try to compensate for that, I compensate to where I think people have an excitement but kind of like a super excitement. And then when they start to go, if I did that, that's crazy. And I've got people who are, at, I did, I do this yeah. and I'm crazy now. And yeah. they're the hardest to re-motivate because yeah. sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, we're going to have to lower this guy. Like, <laughs> he's starting to make more money than everybody I know, including me. Like, yeah. cause there's industries that just can do that. Yeah. You know, a SaaS reoccurring revenue product. You could really get some good comp for people. Yeah. So I think that one of the things we've done when you sign up with us as an owner, in our agreement with you, it says to be determined, but we have a travel bonus goal. Nice. And so every year, if my team hits a certain level of sales, I just, you know, I talk to the owners and I go, look, if you don't give me 2% of this overall stuff, like you really don't like me. Yeah. Because all I'm doing is going to build culture. I'm giving you. Yeah, exactly. Because people don't, you tell people, hey, you should use your bonus. Like, wait a minute. You're telling me how to use my bonus. So I've got to help them travel. I've got to help mm-hmm. them spend time with family. At my at my organization, we do a family dinner. We've been bad about it for this year. Mm-hmm. We do family dinners. Yeah. Everybody's invited, like old school. Like, And I want to bring it back. I want to bring back potluck dinners because like, I think that's even weirder. So <laughs> you've got to spend time with family. And then I think, look, everybody's doing the give back thing in weird ways. Yeah. I think that we're trying to find the one, like, whether it's Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. I want to find the one that... It, help excites the entire staff but i really like what you said be cooler for the staff to say hey, i just here's what i want to do yeah well i think i think it's from a, if you look at it from a culture point of view people are certainly gonna remember or emotionally connect with you know the travel with the time they had with their family with the the way in which they gave back then they remember getting a check and because you actually they don't even get checks it just deposits into their bank account it, now right it, so it's it's real so ephemeral. yeah exactly it's so ephemeral I think it's I think it's a really important point and it's something we we do a lot. I mean we do it outside of sales too, but just anyone in the organization when we look at compensation and motivation, you know, you've got to look above and beyond the actual dollars. Um and, and certainly as you get to the higher numbers, the incremental dollars are not are actually not that motivating. In fact, it can turn people off if everything becomes purely financially. Great, I just learned something on the podcast that I'm recording with yeah. you. I, mean, that, I think you nailed it, right? Yeah. What's the what's the experience given in what you think is motivating? Yeah. If you think money is motivating and you do direct deposit through the bank, there's no experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Unless, you, unless someone films themselves at, at home praying to God and thanking. <laughs> Check it. Refreshing the uh, bank account. There it is. I got it. <laughs> I'm always curious to be like, you know, I, I think of the stooge. Or not stooge, uh, Scrooge. Yeah. I always wonder what people say about their their me around the dinner table, right? Mm, yeah. And I think that that's it's something that we think as managers and, and leaders in sales. But at the end of the day, there's no – people are not thanking me. I just don't believe that. I get some great testimonials and my people love me and I love them. But I think what you just nailed, the experience that people are having, that's motivation number three. Yeah. So uh, I know one of the things you uh, end up doing quite a bit is finding salespeople. How do you go about doing that? Do you have any rules of thumb, heuristics, strategies when you're looking to build a sales team? What do you look for? How much of it is you know general and how much of it is kind of depends on the company and what, what you're selling or the nature of the company you're selling for? 
Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? So I think of it, you know, anytime we are building a sales team, I, you know, if you're listening to this, you are, I really think you got to have the positions first and understand what you're trying to accomplish. If you need to perform right away and you have the budget, then I would start to think about, and I'll use the word stealing or attracting top talent. Mm -hmm. I think you can think about those things. You know, there's egos and I think a positive ego for that. I think sales professionals mm -hmm. have to have some some ego to them the thing you know they've got a you know an attitude of uh or i'll use the word i'll use the word they got to have some certainty to them yeah my, mindset of success that. i think that's that. so that's the other thing is if you're looking if you have the time you know at yeah. the end of the day if you have the time and you have the budget to build from yeah. scratch and really build your own and nurture your own sales team you can take people from one to two years experience or no experience at all and get them to six figures in in sales and sales compensation and, you know, getting people to six figures in Manhattan, 200,050 plus, like, there's just not a lot of jobs like that. Yeah. So you get people to a place of peace and then what they what gets them excited and gets them out of bed, uh, you're going to do some really good damage from a hiring from a hiring yeah. perspective. I think if you if you take any nuggets from me on interviewing to one to have the positions and know your framework from a budget standpoint, two is in your interviewing process. These are sales professionals you're looking for. And really, this goes to anyone now because I know a lot of people have stolen this out of our interviewing process. you got to test people. Yeah. Sales skill sets. I ask CEOs this. I ask sales representatives this. I ask. And I said reps on purpose that time. Mm -hmm. Like Very few people, just the pros, in my opinion, even know what a sales skill set is. People will say passion, energy. I'm like, well, those are like givens. <laughs> The sets of selling are the three core, core meaning Karelia means heart. The heart of a skill set for a salesperson is you got to be, number one is that our number one skill set is quality question asking. Yeah. Number yeah. two is professional storytelling. And number three is objection handling. Those it. are core. And so you've got to, your interviews have to, have to talk about those things, but more importantly, test that. Yeah. How do you test someone's a quality question asker? All the soft skills, I don't. We don't discount them. We're always looking. You know, are, are do we think this person's honest, thoughtful, mm -hmm. kind? All the, and, and we have ways to do that. Mm -hmm. I, you have to have a process on everything. So skill set testing, we have a grading scale for that. Uh, on soft skills, we have a grading for that. And people yeah. say, how do you grade soft skills? Look, thoughtful. If the person says, hey. Is it all right if I sit here? If the person opens the door, yep. if the person says, do you mind if I take notes? There's a lot of things. My point to this is if you're going to build a team of professionals, your interviewing process has to be professional. So it's all over LinkedIn, the stuff that we wrote about. I think it got yeah. some really good posts. So we have it. We have the article. You know, read. There's so many. Like it's yeah. just we, – we have one that's B2B sales pros, how to hire them. Yeah. And, you know, hundreds of sales pros later, I think think we're qualified now. <laughs> I hope so. I, you know, and I think the I mean, it's all great. I think the two pieces that really resonate for me, one, you got to have the positions like you can't go. You can't start the hiring process until you know what you really want, which means you have to have the sales strategy. You need, you need to know what your sales, your ideal sales team is going to look like so you can fill the right role, right, right slots and then have a process because you're right. I mean, I think that I mean, a it, it's tough to interview anyone but it's particularly tough to interview salespeople because they are often quite good at sales <laughs> so glad you brought that up so look let me give you the combat and then i'm going to give you number three probably the one that nobody wants to talk about how we end the interviews because this one's going to hurt but let me give you some tactic on what you just said it, you're, you're nailing it right so if they're good salespeople, they should sell themselves here's how our interview process starts 
at least the first in-person after they get by the screen. screen. They walk in. I literally lean, lean back. Um, sometimes I'll dress if sometimes I'll undress just yeah. to dress casually for this interview. Yeah. Right. So I'm wearing uh, a suit with slippers yeah. and the Hawaiians call it slippers, flip flops, whatever. <laughs> so I call them Hawaiian tennis shoes. Yeah. So the reason being is I start by saying this, you got to set the context for every interview. This interview is going to last 30 minutes. The reason that you're here is because we just want to get to know you at, at a more personal level. It's going to be super relaxing hopefully the most casual but yet professional interview process you've ever been through. The reason that it's so casual is because at the end of the day, we know you could sell Mr. Salesperson and we really want to, we want to really buy the person that you're not selling, but who you truly are. They are in my, they are screwed from that moment forward (laughs) because now they, now they're, you got to think of what's happening on their (laughs) side of the table. You're playing with their head. (laughs) Right. It's not playing. Look, I'm telling them, I'm telling what people really should be saying. Yeah. This guy came in like, oh, I'm going to blow this guy away. Look, you're not really going to blow me away. I'm really – I'll be blown away if you're really mm-hmm. – if I could dig. Like I want to know what I don't know. I mm-hmm. saw this on the resume. I could ask these questions. So it's really – got to set the context for in each interview. I think you nailed it. Here's the, here's the last interview. And by, our, by the way, I think it's like six interviews we do. And mm-hmm. people, people have asked if you can combine it. You can combine a lot of different ones. But the last interview is – I'm going to mess this word up, but I believe it's repudiation, repudiation, to talk someone out of it. Yeah. So I always give the the visual for those who are um, young enough to follow culture. Eminem in the movie Eight Mile, the yeah. last rap he did. <laughs> yeah. There was not much more to say. Yeah. Right. So we tell people who we truly are. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned yell. I'm not going to lie. I yell. Mm-hmm. I also love people. Hardcore as well. So I'm the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not put it like the immediately lying is like there's no three strikes you're out. Yeah. If you lie about where you were and what you were doing, we have a we don't have a problem. You have a situation. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So I think really talking people out of the job is so underestimated, yeah. so underused, and the, here, the other side is I say this and you know, I've said this to thousands of people who's really doing this stuff. The reason people don't, they, even when they know to do it, is because they're afraid of losing candidates. And at the end of the day, I go, mm-hmm. if you're afraid of your people before you even hire them, you got a problem. Yeah. And so you know, I remember the first time that it really hurt me that I talked someone out. I came back right up the road. I'm here in Long Island. Right up the road, I come back from a restaurant. I just, I just spent, spent like – 60 bucks the day before on this guy's lunch. Yeah. Right. And I, cause I thought this guy was a shoe in. So I get an email cause it never comes at the appointment. Yeah, exactly. it's, always a, it's always an email. Never, nobody ever calls. Right? It's always an email. Yeah. Uh, the email comes through. I send it to uh, one of our partners here and uh, I go, so what'd you think? And he like, I'm like, he's going to say it's all right. Like, I think he's going to be nice, you know, Mm-hmm. By the way, we have like radical candor rules here, so yeah. I should have saw this coming. He's like, great job. What? Yeah, you're the one who's teaching this thing called uh, talk people out of it? Yeah. It worked. You did your job. Yeah. And when you really look at it, that's the truth. We don't yeah. know how much money you really saved the company. You know, that, uh, Bruce is good at running and operating businesses, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he has not figured out exactly how to calculate mm-hmm. the add back of someone quitting and 
the compensation of educating them with a full-time employment that, employee that could have been doing something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that opportunity loss is incalculable. Profit and loss. And yeah. so I, my, our last piece of how we hire is like we are at the very end, we are brutally honest and we yeah. try to talk people out of it. Yeah. No, well, and I think that's smart and I think that it's a really tough pill to swallow, I think, for just about every, <laughs> every business professional. But – Look, yeah, if you want to build really strong long-term team, I mean, it goes for any team, but particularly sales teams, you know, you got, they have to sell themselves into the process. If they're not selling you to, to get into that, it's, it's really, you're going to. We, we got a manager right now yeah. during this call going on what we call the, you know, the, the whining and dining networking. Yeah. We go see how people do in social settings. You have the best guy. He's great at selling mm -hmm. you all the way through the process. And then you get to dinner and he, it's the worst conversation ever. <laughs> there, he cannot spark conversation yeah. at all. No, no gift of gab or rapport yeah. building at all. So you find out very quickly. And in, in some B2B environments where you're whining yeah. and dining, that's that's a tough that's a job. But we have it right now. I think the owners are going to come back. I think the guys, the, the professional that we're looking at is going to do well. The owner is going to come back and go, sign him up. And yeah. I have to go, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the job. I question my own business practices. Yeah. Like, maybe. Maybe. You know, I, I will lose compensation of recruiting because if the guy doesn't doesn't want it, yeah. I don't want him. That's and good. Vice versa, right? It's a trade off. Yeah. Dana, this is great. We're we're at time here, um, but we've we've covered a lot of great stuff, and I I really appreciate it. How if people are more interested around you and your business and and how you work with companies around sales management. What's the best way to get a hold of you and how can they find out some more information? Look, I think the best thing, um, you know, super inspired by you and what people are doing around digital marketing. Again, my, my Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is I don't need any leads, um, but I do. And so what I'll say is uh, just check us out. Check me out on LinkedIn. Connect with me. Slowly, slowly growing the community. John Dano. I think it goes by my full name, John Keahi Dano. And if you call me John or Keahi, I will not answer. <laughs> As I have learned. <laughs> Donna, Cher, and Dano. So help me brand that. Uh, and then the last is like old school. Um, email me and, or call me and those things you can find online as well. But, you know, I think that, you know, connect if you connect with me and try to get me on LinkedIn, I'll immediately take you offline onto an email and phone call. I think at the end of the day, uh, sales are, are unique to yeah. each company. And so, you know, I'd love, I add value all day long and it's not a waste of time because I'm always taking from everybody who's not my customer. Yeah. So this is great. I'll make sure all that contact information is in the show notes here. Um, and I would encourage everyone that that's thinking about sales, thinking about sales management, uh, whether they've already done it or they're thinking about doing it, um, uh, connect with Dano and, and, uh, hear what he has to say. I'm sure he'd love to chat with you. Um, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'll look forward to uh, getting together soon and we can keep this conversation going. Cheers. Thanks, Anna. Cheers. Okay. Good. Good episode. Uh, I appreciate that. That was fun. Cool. Um, it's probably going to be probably four or six weeks. Uh, I'll send you, I'll let you know beforehand. You can help me do some promotion and stuff. But uh, uh, otherwise, that was great. Good work. Talk soon, my friend. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. Cheers. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.